Let's do that again. Merry Christmas, everybody. That's awesome. I was ready for you because the 930 was even worse than that. So, uh, so glad, man, love Christmas, all that it's about, really excited, all the things that we get to do at Christmas from um, a Christmas tree. How many of you guys got your Christmas tree up? Come on, come on. Okay, let's go. Let's take a poll. Let's take a poll. Okay, how many people have an artificial tree? Right, right. How many people have a real tree? The real Christians. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, kind of. If you're like me, you have both. I think a lot of us have a little bit of both. So uh, love Christmas. One of the things I love, obviously, is uh, when we do city serving, we just have an opportunity at the end of the year just to build into people, to help people, to invest in people. Another thing that I love to do is some of the projects that we give towards at the end of the year. And, you know, now we, as we approach the time where we're doing a, you know, a be, our beyond year in giving, a lot of times if you've been here, um, you know that we do a hope offering. And this year, all the initiatives that we would do and hope have been encapsulated in beyond. And so, for instance, uh, one of the things that we are going to, you know, really uh, put a lot of effort and energy into even more than we have is our leadership development program. And so just a quick story about that and how you've given has made that happen and how that's been possible and how as you give, uh, we'll even be able to do more. So last week, um, you may have heard a sermon uh, taught here by a guy named Sean Curry. Anybody? Sean crushed the game, didn't he? Our student pastor. Sean killed it. Now, Sean uh, began attending as a high school student, came to wake, came to wake, not believing in God, not interested in God, but showed up at our student environment, got baptized here, uh, began to uh, serve here, went through our leadership development program, and now he's pastoring some of your kids. And that's, yeah, come on, Sean Curry. And so we know that Sean is going to pastor future generations, maybe even your kids' kids. And that's what our leadership development program does. It's an investment in the future. And especially now when we have, uh, you know, young people in their 20s coming up into ministry. And now that ministry's changed and church has changed, we get this ability to build into them, to train them, to invest in them, to let them be part of our team, to get some practical hands-on experience. And it's because of what you give. You know, as you consider year-end, your year-end giving, these are the kind of things that we are going to be about. We're still investing. The mission is still moving forward. Just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean the mission stops. And so it's even more urgent now. Uh, And so just encourage you uh, as you are thinking about giving and just want to just kind of put that story on your radar to know how much you're making a difference and an impact. You know, we are in this series today called The Ways of Jesus. The Ways of Jesus. And we started a a couple of weeks ago just talking about if you're going to follow in the ways of Jesus where your life's going to make sense, where you're going to find purpose, there are some things you got to leave behind. And there's some things you got to leave behind, like maybe there's some bitterness. You know, maybe there's some old behaviors, you know, you got to leave behind. You know, maybe there's some just sinful patterns in your life you got to leave behind. Maybe there's some expectations of life you have to leave behind. And then last week, Sean talked a lot about how we follow Jesus, maintaining this close connection with Jesus through intimacy and through imitation and through influence that we have this connection with Jesus. And the verse that we kind of use as the launching point for this series is, is, the, is out of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And what we see, Mark, what we see happen there is that Jesus was passing alongside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Right, so we were just, we've been looking at this idea, follow me. And then it says here, it says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, now when I say fishers of men, it, it may come across as a little odd. How many fishermen in the house today? How many people have been fishing 
four of you. All right, let's go. We've been fishing. That's awesome. Now, when you think of fishermen, when we think of fishers of men, a lot of times that sounds a little bit like an internet scam, doesn't it? You know, and uh, so what, is it, what does that even mean? And here's what Jesus is doing in this moment, just to kind of bring in some context to it. What he's doing, he's taking what they did for a living and he's changing their identity. He's making it into somebody new. He's giving them purpose and meaning. And listen, this is what we believe about life with Jesus, that in the life of Jesus, what you find is purpose and meaning, that that's why you were created. But fishing is hard. Some of you, a lot of you don't know that evidently, but fishing is hard. That's why they call it fishing and not catching. Fishing is hard. Let me give you an example of this. So when I, we were, uh, we had taken our family on vacation. We were visiting friends in Siesta Key. And they live on a canal, just a gorgeous place where you can watch the sunset. And so we would go kayaking right out the back door. But you could also just walk down to the canal and you could go fishing. And so my son, Bennett, who loves to be outside, anytime he's awake, he wants to be outside. And so he would get out and go fishing every day. And so when you fish there, there's, they have lots of birds. So birds would stand next to you while you reel in a fish. Maybe it's a pelican or a white or a blue heron or something like that because they're hoping that they can get the fish because they're looking for lunch. And so every now and then, if you caught a fish that was really small, that never happens to me um, because I don't catch any fish, uh, you would take the fish and you could throw it to the bird. And so Bennett has caught a fish and he's bending down and he's trying to get it off the hook. And there's there's a pelican that's behind him. The pelican comes through his legs, grabs the fish and flies away. Now, 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 I didn't say the fish was off the hook yet. The pelican flies into the air with the rod, with the reel, over the canal, and drops it into the canal. Fishing is over for the day. Right? Fishing's hard, isn't it? Fishing has unexpected challenges, things you haven't thought of. And this is why Jesus said, I will make you into fishers of men. This is what he does. So here's what I know about you. Here's what I know about me. We all want a life of purpose. We all want a life of meaning. We we all want to know we had some type of influence or impact that's going to last beyond us. We all all want that in life. That's what I want. That's what you want. We all have had this sense at at times like, got to be more. Got to be more. And that's because God has put that in us. And it necessarily follows that if God has put in us a sense of purpose, he's put in us a sense of meaning that there's got to be somebody that I'm going to impact, that God is going to have somebody in my life that, I'm, that my purpose is going to help and influence. That's what God's going to do. Because if, if not, he's really cruel. It would be a little bit like this. If you were really thirsty and I said, hey, come over here, I've got some water and you come over and I have no water. That that would be like God not allowing us to live out our purpose. And you see, our purpose is accomplished in our impact on others. Your purpose and my purpose is accomplished in our impact on other people. Like if you knew somebody was drowning, if you knew somebody had a need that was life-saving, you'd jump in, you'd help. You'd offer to rescue them. I know you would because that's what God wants to do in you. So so how can we be this, quote, fisher of men? How can we live a life of purpose and influence and meaning as we walk in the ways of Jesus? 
So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 today. Matthew chapter 9. I'm just going to walk through this story of one of the disciples of Jesus that Jesus said, follow me. His name is Matthew. He just ha- this happens to be an autobiographical today because he's telling his story about how he began to follow Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 says this, as Jesus went on from there, so Jesus is traveling around the region, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said, and Matthew got up and Matthew followed him. So, so a little bit about Matthew. You know, when you read the Bible, what you want to do is kind of figure out like, is there, am I, am I in this story anywhere? And for many of us, for all of us, at some point, we were, we were a Matthew. We're, we're in the seat of Matthew. That's us in the story today. So just a little bit about Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Now, one of the ingenious things that the Roman Empire did was when they moved into a region, when they conquered a region, they would hire people to work for them who were from that region. People who knew the culture, people who knew the language, people who knew the best restaurants to go to, people who knew the ways of how people navigated that region. That way they could be really effective and efficient in helping the Roman government. And so for, to be able to find people that you conquered to work for you, you had to be sure they got what? Dollar, dollar bills. Like they got paid. So Matthew was a tax collector, and this is how this tax system worked in those days. That Matthew would have been uh, hired by the Roman government and, and given the authority to collect taxes. Now, the only thing Matthew had to do was to pay a certain amount to the Roman government. Let's say it's $100,000. Matthew would had the authority to collect taxes by law, had the full force of the Roman government behind him. He would collect money, send $100,000 to the Roman government. And then he could collect as much as he wanted to. So what does Matthew do with everything over the 100,000? After he manipulates people, after he steals from people, after he puts the screws to people to get money from them, where did that money go? His bank account. So people who were Jews that would look at Matthew and be like, he stole my money. They'd ride by his house and say, I paid for that. They'd see him riding down the street in his new Tesla. I paid for that. And so Matthew is living this life of insecurity. He's living this life of guilt. He's living this life of less than because he knows how people are looking at him. And he begins to look at himself that way. And he doesn't know a way out until this man walks by and says, follow me. This is Matthew. Hey, this is our story. Man, we live lives of insecurity. We live lives of knowing that there's more. We live lives of feeling like we're less than. And then Jesus comes by. Anybody experience that today? Anybody, experience, anybody in the room experience that today? Come on, right? Online, anybody experience that life change that happens? So this is Matthew's story. Watch what happens next. In verse 10, it says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and with his disciples. Now notice the first thing that Matthew does. Notice the first thing he does. Listen, he doesn't join a small group, as important as that is. He doesn't ask, what are the rules? He doesn't doesn't go on a mission trip. What does he do? He throws a party. Matthew throws a party for his friends, because it says tax collectors and sinners were there. These are people that Matthew knew. These are people that he rubs shoulders with. Why does he throw a party and invite Jesus? Because Matthew knew. Matthew knew what he'd just experienced. He knew the mercy that he'd received. He knew the rescue 
that had just happened for him. Matthew knew Jesus. And Matthew knew people. And Matthew knew the pain and the problems that they had. Man, Matthew knew what it was like to be full of anxiety. Matthew knew what it was like to be sick. Matthew knew that his friends were experiencing illness and heartache and heartbreak. He knew that they were going through life without purpose. He knew that in Jesus what he'd found was someone who could be the solution to everything that they were looking for. Listen, Matthew knew. Matthew knew. And for us to walk in the ways of Jesus, for us to be able to have an impact and an influence, listen, there's people you know. There's people that you know right where you are, people where you work, people in your family, people in your neighborhood. And listen, you know, you know the, fan, you know the pain that they're in. You know the problems that they have. You know the challenges that they're going through. Listen, Matthew knew, and so do you. And we should be challenged to be like Matthew because we know. How do we know? Because God has orchestrated us to know. God has orchestrated us to know. See, Matthew becomes an evangelist. Matthew becomes what we call an evangelist. Now, now evangelists, for, for, for many people, it may, you, may, you may think of the guy who stands on the stage or the guy who stands on the street corner with the bullhorn, you know, that guy. Or maybe, maybe the TV evangelist that you see on TV. But, but really, an evangelist is just an enthusiastic advocate. That's it. Somebody who's passionate about something that they know. Like, we're all evangelists for something, aren't we? We're all evangelists for something. So, for instance... Christmas movies, anybody an evangelist for Christmas movie? Come on, you got a favorite Christmas movie? Home Alone fans in the house? Come on, yeah, come on, Home Alone fans. What about Polar Express fans in the house? Let's go. Hey, put your favorite Christmas movie in the chat right now online. Man, I love Polar Express. Hey, the first day that I'm allowed to get out my Christmas decorations, which for me would preferably be July, um, but I get out that bell, you know the bell? The first gift of Christmas bell hanging on my door every year. Love, love, love that movie. How about, how about Christmas food? We're evangelists for some Christmas food. We like some things. We're evangelists for TV shows. Bachelor fans in the house, don't lie. I know, I see you, uh, and so does God. Um, <laughs> listen, we're evangelists for things that we know, things that have helped us, things that have changed us. Man, if we know, and we should be that person to help people just like Matthew. Now, now watch. Watch, watch the response that Jesus gets. Verse 11. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, meaning that tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Seems obvious, doesn't it? Let me do a little explanation around tax collector and sinner. So tax collector, obviously, we've explained them. And you, you knew why the religious leaders would be against tax collectors. They would look down on them. But then you had this, this idea of sinner. Sinner was just any category of people who didn't do the things that, they were supposed, that the Pharisees thought they were supposed to do. They were any category of people who didn't follow the rules. They were classified as sinners. And so the Pharisees would look down on these people. And, and Jesus uses this metaphor of a doctor and a patient. Someone who's sick who needs a doctor. You see, Pharisee would use sinner as a way to disapprove of somebody. But Jesus used it as a way to diagnose the problem. And so many times what can happen is we'll judge people based on some behavior or based on something. But Jesus uses it to diagnose a problem. And he knows. He knows what the real problem is. 
He knows the real problem. It's not that they have some poor behavior. He knows that the real problem is that they're separated from God. He knows that the real problem is that they don't understand the gospel. Listen, this is why we have to fight to remember the Christmas story. We've got to fight to remember what it's about. We, got, we can have fun with Christmas songs and Christmas movies and Christmas food and Christmas socks, but we got to fight to remember the Christmas story, that the gospel is still true. It should capture our hearts. And the reality is that there is a God and he is good. He is so good. Even when it doesn't look like it, even when we can't see it, God is good. But there is a problem. And that problem is that we've sinned. And we need to take responsibility from the ways we've tried to find purpose apart from God. There's a solution that God showed up at Christmas, that Jesus was born, that Jesus came for us because he knew. And there's a response, and it is our lives. It's to elevate the name of Jesus. And Jesus knew that they needed help. He knew they were desperately looking for someone to give them help. It reminds me of a story when my youngest son was involved in a, a an accident and had uh, actually a fractured larynx and couldn't swallow and nobody could diagnose that and we went from doctor to doctor to doctor and he had a feeding tube and he's nine and it just was it was a bad situation and finally we walked into this one doctor and he said listen and we were at the, we were at the end of our rope we just didn't know what to do Debbie and I and, and he told us he says listen I can't fix the problem but I promise you I'll help you find the solution. I won't stop until you find a solution. And that's the kind of people that we need to be. People like Matthew. People who understand what the real issue is and the real problem. Listen, for some of you, maybe today you're just not, you can't even, you can't even pinpoint the problem. You don't know why things can happen. This is the problem. You need the gospel. Now, now what we see is that um, Jesus gives this next verse, verse 13. Everything hinges on this verse. I think that this is a verse that if we could all see differently, Jesus would be happy. I think this is what the point of everything he came to teach us, everything he came to show us, all the miracles, all the healing, all the sacrifice, everything is, is encapsulated right in this verse. In verse 13, he says this, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I've not come to call the righteous but sinners, man, these are so, so critical from us. It needs to shift our thinking. Mercy and sacrifice, what's the difference? Like, why is there a difference? So what we know of that culture, the Jewish culture, was it was a sacrificial system, meaning they sacrificed animals to, to satisfy their God, to, to bridge that relationship back to God, to forgive their sins. They would sacrifice animals. But what we know is that Jesus came and was the final sacrifice. Can somebody say thank you that we don't have to do that, right? I mean, so that was what sacrifice meant. But what it had turned into was just, they would come and sacrifice without their heart being in it. So they were just going through the motions. You ever gone through the motions on anything? You ever just gone through the motions in life? I remember the first time I heard going through the motions, I was a high school football player and we showed up at practice one Monday. We were tired and we started going through the motions and the coach put us through a lot of extra motion because of that. We weren't practicing well. We weren't getting ready for the game. We were just trying to get it over with. We were just trying to get it behind us so we could get on with life. You know, if you go through the motions in your marriage, it's not a good situation. And if you just go through the motions, just continue to be a roommate, just continue to do the things you think you're supposed to do, but your heart's not in it, it eventually leads to destruction. 
You know, if you're a parent and you just go through the motions, what's going to happen is your kid is going to realize you don't really care about them. Your heart's not in it. You're just trying to get through the day and there's going to be a disconnect that's going to happen. I mean, we can't just go through the motions in anything in life, much less in our spiritual life. And so Jesus says, you guys are going through the motions. You need to learn what it means, what mercy means. Because mercy, mercy makes people the priority. And I think that I'm always challenged, especially in this passage about Jesus' ruthless pursuit of people as the priority. This is what it means to walk in the ways of Jesus. You see, sacrifice focuses on the price that you pay, but mercy focuses on the people you help. Mercy, man, it focuses on the people that you help. It doesn't worry about being late. It doesn't worry about their behavior. It doesn't worry about what they, what they did wrong. It doesn't worry about why I should judge them. It just focuses on the people that we should help. Those people, man, they, they are our purpose. And so listen, if, if this is the way Jesus has set it up, that people are to be our priority, this is what it means to walk in the ways of Jesus. Like, how do we do that? How can I be sure? Because no, everybody in the room knows that Jesus is about people, right? We all know this. Everybody online, like, you know, Jesus is about people. Like, what does it look like for us practically? So for, I'm going to tell you three different things. First thing is we're going to do what Matthew did, right? This is what Matthew did. Matthew threw a party. First thing he did. So I'm going to talk about this word, hospitality. Hospitality. How many of you have heard of Martha Stewart? Anybody? Okay, this is not that, all right? This is not that. Martha Stewart kind of hijacked it in a good way. I love some Christmas decorations and for the uh, place settings to be perfect. Hospitality, especially in uh, biblical culture, was more about an investment in people. Matthew threw a dinner party, which for us may be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, some of you may feel comfortable with that. Some of you may not. But Matthew threw a dinner party. But there are other ways that we can show hospitality. Now, the definition of hospitality for me is just loving people like they are your family. You just love people like they are your family. Now, now. For some of you, you may need to change uh, how you love your family because of this, but you need to love people like they're your family. Like, here's a joke I tell every Christmas. Let me get it out of the way right now. So at Christmas, it's the time for you to spend with people that you love, people that you care about, people that you want to be around. It's the time to spend with people that you love. And if you can't find people that you love to spend time with, family will do. <laughs> get it? All right. Listen, we need to treat people like they're family, like we care about them, like we love them, like, like, we, like we build into them. Now, I'm going to give you one really practical, practical tip. Now, this is something that we've all experienced. You've experienced multiple times in your life. I've experienced As soon as I say it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've experienced that. You've been somewhere. Maybe you were driving down the road. Maybe you were in the shower. Maybe you got up in the morning. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you weren't expecting it, weren't, weren't thinking about it at all. It just happened to you. Somebody's name and face popped into your mind, right? Everybody experienced this? All of us have experienced it. Listen, if you haven't experienced it, you are not human. You need help. I will pray for you after the service, right? Listen, we've all experienced it online. Like you probably have experienced it recently. Like we, we think about people. We don't know where it came from. We don't know why we thought of them. Their name pops into our mind. And what if, what if the same God who created us on purpose, what if we just assumed that he was the one who put their name and face in our mind? What if we assumed that? What if we assume that this random thought that came from nowhere came actually from God? 
Like, wouldn't we act differently? And here's what we should do when this happens. I think this is the way you can make people a priority. This is the way that you can have more influence and impact than you have ever thought of. And it's so simple. Is that when that happens, they pop into your mind. You just grab your phone and you just draw up a text. Hey, just thought about you. Hope you're doing well. How can I pray for you? Now, you may think, Stephen, that's weird. Just to reach out to some random person I haven't seen in forever and ask, could I pray for them? Listen, right now, everything's weird. So it's a great opportunity for you. So this week, you're going to be driving down the road and you're going to get a text from me that says, hey, can I pray for you? Like right now, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of George Clooney. I, I don't have his number, but I'm going to pray for George Clooney, right? Um, like somebody's coming to your mind, hospitality, treat people like their family, right? You want people to feel like loved is their middle name. That's how you want people to feel, like loved is their middle name. That's what Matthew did, hospitality. Hey, next thing, notify your network. Notify your network. Now, now there's a really interesting connection between some of the technology that we see uh, in Jesus' time and some of the technology that we have today. So let me just kind of set that up historically for just a couple minutes. When Rome began to conquer the known world, they had this piece of technology that actually helped them, helped information flow, helped their troops travel faster, helped trade, helped their economy, and it was called the road system. The road system. The Roman Empire built over 55,000 miles of roads. Bricks where they, you know, they're easy to travel on. They put military posts along the road so people could travel safely. They had mile markers and they would tell you, hey, you know, 42 miles to Alexandria. I mean, they built the road system, completely revolutionized the Roman Empire. And it was why they were so strong for so long. Now, now imagine this. Imagine you're, you live back in the day and you go to church somewhere and imagine thinking, I can't believe they built those stupid roads. Like now I've actually got to go home for Christmas and see my parents. I can't believe, I want to just stay home. But now, because of the road system, I've got no excuse. I hate these roads. Like, nobody's thinking that. You're looking at the advantages. You're looking at how great it makes life. You're looking at the positives of the roads. Now, fast forward 2,000 years to what is possibly the greatest technological invention since the Roman road system. It's called the internet. You've heard of this. Right? The Facebook, Google. And, and listen, I know the downside. I've watched Social Dilemma like many of you. Like, I get it. But the reality is we have, an, we have a network that it's so easy to communicate with. And, and it's so easy to reach out to. It's so easy to drop a message. Man, we need to notify our network. We need to take advantage of the opportunity to notify our network, the people that we know. I mean, the people who are connected to us, the people who followed you, guess what? They asked for you to notify them of things. They invited it in. So here's what we should do. Like every Sunday, this is so simple. It's so easy. Every Sunday at 930 and even right now, like in the room and online, you should just use this opportunity to grab your phone and just share this stream. Because check this out. Here's, here's how this looks. Somebody online right here, share the stream. In a minute, we're going to baptize some people. Life change story, transformation, elevating the name of Jesus. Somebody online is going to watch and say, I need that. You know what's going to happen? They're going to start to follow Jesus. They're going to get connected. Their life will be radically transformed because you just did something as simple as notifying your network, right? Hospitality. 
man, just have a party with people that you know, your network. Hey, this last thing I wanna put in there, the third thing that we can do, that you can do to have a life of influence and impact and to walk in the ways of Jesus is just through prayer. Man, it's just through prayer. You know, you know, it necessarily follows that if God created us on purpose and he's got somebody that he wants us to impact and influence that he's gonna do the work. He's gonna be the one that makes it happen. He's got to do the transformational work. He's got to do the, the, he's got to do the miracle in someone's heart. Listen, it, it's got to be that way. And you may be thinking, you know, I don't really know anybody. Um, I don't really know who I'd reach out to. Um, I, then you just need to start asking God to give you somebody. Like right now, somebody just came to your mind, didn't they? Like, I didn't do that. God did that. And you know you should reach out to them. God will do that. God will orchestrate your days. He will orchestrate your life to have a life of influence as it impacts other people. And this is the greatest thing that we could help someone with, that we could share with someone, is the fact that what God has done in our life to walk in the ways of Jesus. You know, when Bennett finished fishing that day, he was done. Rod and reel's gone. He comes back inside, but then the next day he goes out and he finds another rod and reel, you know, and he goes out and he starts fishing. And then he's, as he's fishing, looks like he feels like he catches something and he starts reeling it in and it's the rod and reel that he had lost the day earlier. And not only that, the fish that he caught was still on the hook of that rod and reel out of the canal. Why, how did he get it back? Because he didn't give up. And there are people that maybe you've given up on. There are people you think is too far gone, people that you wish you'd have reached out to but didn't, and now it may feel like you should have done it earlier, but you didn't, and you can't give up. You can't stop fishing. You can't give up because God didn't give up on you. God didn't give up on me. That's the story of Christmas. To walk in the ways of Jesus, man, means that we never give up on anybody, no matter what. Let's pray together. So just a simple time of prayer before we, before we baptize, just with our eyes closed at home, um, and let's just uh, have a moment. We just center our attention on Jesus. We just think about him, put him forefront in our mind right now. We block out all distractions. And maybe for you today, you know, you've never made that step to walk into your purpose. You've never made that step to follow Jesus. And today's the day. Man, you know that everything you've tried hasn't worked. It's come up empty. It's left you restless. It's left you asking, isn't there more to life? Today's the day. You just need to follow Jesus. So I'm just going to lead you in a prayer today. Super simple, but life-changing. If you just want to repeat after me, dear God, I believe you're good. I have sinned and done things my own way. I trust that Jesus died for the forgiveness of my sins. And my response today is to follow him. You know, and as we continue in prayer, the Bible teaches us that when we do that, it's a new day. Our life is different. I just want to help you today mark that moment, life-changing moment, transformational moment. And the way that we do that here and online is we just, we just raise our hand in victory. When we, when we pray that, when we make that commitment to follow Jesus. So I'm gonna count to three. I'm just encourage you to raise your hand in victory of the one that you're following. On the count of three, one, 
two, three. Let's raise our hand. That's awesome. Yep, that's awesome. Online, you too, raise your hand. So God, we're grateful for new life. We ask you just to continue to help us to see people the way you do that people are our priority. God, that we, we had a thought of someone or an opportunity to help someone, we would never leave it on the table, God, that we'd always follow through in Jesus' name, amen.